Uh, we're going to light the, um, the candles. I was waiting until the children came in, but then I remembered that they're watching a film today, so there'll be no show and tell. Um, uh, so uh, I, I'm going to light the candles now. Um, it's all four, isn't it? We can... That time of preparation is, is moving into the last lap. Um, we can legit legitimately sing carols. We can look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus. And as I said um, a few moments ago, I want us to be thinking this morning uh, of, of grace. And as I say, whenever we say that in our collective, um, it seems we are transported back 10 years, nine, 10 years to, to Tim Ferguson's uh, words of the vows of grace. And I'm hoping, um, I can never remember the A, and I know, I, I seem to remember, John, you've got a really good memory of these things, so um, it may be right or wrong on that, but and there are two Johns there, I'm hedging my bets. Um, uh, but we'll come on to those in a moment. But I met with Tim um, a couple of weeks ago, actually. We were due to go for a walk, and I, um, when he was far enough away from where we'd started, I thought, right, now's the time to ask him. Uh, those vows of grace, Tim, do you remember those? Um, and, and he sort of, I expected him to say, yeah, of course, wasn't it? A brilliant moment in our ministry, wasn't it? You know, a sense of God speaking to us. Um, and I may be doing him a disservice, but he looked at me almost to say, oh, yeah, there was something, wasn't there, about that? Um, and I said, was it a series of sermons? Because it's really embedded in our collective memory, a sense of God speaking to us at the time. And he sort of, again, looked into the sky slightly quizzically as if to say, oh, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I've, I've preached loads of sermons since then. John, what, what are you on? Anyway, he, he sort of scratched his, his... He was wearing a hat, so he would have scratched his head, but he was wearing a hat. And, um, and, and so he, he kind of dredged back from his memory, it seemed. There was just one sermon on the vows of grace, he said. It was um, God's word to us, he felt, in advance of um, Sunday out. So that's how we can fix it in a point in time. Um, he was, Tim was with us, well, he's been with, he, we've been without Tim, haven't we, for three and a bit years. He was with us for seven, and it was early on in his ministry that we did the Sunday out thing. So that's how I think we can fix it at nine or ten years ago. Um, so he then reflected a little bit more uh, as, you know, the years had been bridged by his memory, uh, and uh, he reflected on how Yes, it was a point, you know, a, a God speaking to us at a moment in time. Now, I'm conscious that there will be some of us who will remember it with absolute clarity. There'll be others who were not here at the time, uh, um, either because they were, you know, that was the week they decided to do something else, or they worked with the kids, or, or, or weren't here because you were somewhere else. Um, so uh, I just wanted to um, start our time together this, this morning by just skipping back a bit to to think about these vows of grace. I did ask Tim whether, because I thought, Tim, if you're going to write a book, this could be it. I could be your agent. We could make money, retire. Uh, he was totally disinterested. So you heard it here first, guys. Um, next year's bestseller will be The Vows of Grace, based on a series by, uh, John, uh, by Tim Ferguson, but actually written by me. Um, so to recap, Sunday Out uh, was... It was our commitment, wasn't it? Our expression of, of a commitment not to meet, to, to meet out, sorry, to build out our community. Um, it was a sense born of wanting to be more involved in our communities, but 
being time poor, just not having the time to... Do you remember, it was that, the, for me, it was a cartoon, Bob's um, Model Aeroplane Club. There was a short cartoon. Bob was a member of a model aeroplane club. He was connected with his friends. They had a great time together. They spoke to each other. They trusted each other. They learned um, about each other's lives. They lived life together. Then Bob got to hear about Jesus, um, came to church, uh, gave his life to Jesus, and became a member of the church. Bob was busy. Bob didn't have time to stay a member of the model aeroplane club. And so Bob... uh, Unfortunately, just, you know, it started with just the Christmas cards. Then it, he lost touch with his friends from the Model Aeroplane Club altogether. And then the church, wanting to reach out to community, devised a program uh, where they would help their members reach out to the community. And so um, it kind of almost went full circle that Bob then thought, ah, those Model Aeroplane guys, I should reach out to them. Uh, and through no particular fault I suppose what had happened was that Bob was connected Bob became disconnected and Bob then had to go on a training course to become connected Um, and I thought it was a so there was a this kind of um, wowser moment when Tim said well we let's not meet on the second Sunday of the month let's have that Sunday um, as a time when we can authentically engage in communities Uh, authentically uh, participate in groups doing what we enjoy doing was to be wasn't to be forced was it we didn't um, have to learn a new hobby we didn't have to take on dancing or cake baking or whatever it was Uh, we could so the theory went um, find friends doing what we like to do with them on Sundays when the community do do things when we're together here and it, it took a number of it took a number of sort of um, forms, didn't it? I think, was there a cycling group? I, I couldn't remember whether there was a cycling group, but there was certainly breakfast with neighbours, um, not Tiffany, but with neighbours. There was um, a service at the old age pensioners' uh, home. That's right, yep. Um, we painted bollards, didn't we? Uh, whether they wanted painting or not, no. We painted, um, but it was like a community service, wasn't it? We picked litter, we painted bollards. We did things to improve the immunity of the community. And, and uh, I think we even made the press. Uh, we, we took an allotment, uh, and we, we were a presence there on a Sunday morning, um, growing things, digging things, but engaging with and giving cake to the fellow allotment holders. I was part of Families in the Park, coffee, newspapers, and games. What's not to like at Hockley Heath? It was a no-strings-attached community building that we were... That meant we were part of a different community, and, and I know Tim did a um, he did a presentation, didn't he, to the Baptist something conference, um, and he had this brilliant picture of uh, a picture like you know uh, on a, on the first Sunday, lots of people in, smiling faces, happy to be in church, and then a picture of the second Sunday, just empty chairs, because we were out somewhere else, because we were building a community of hundreds rather than tens, a community beyond the OBC address list. So I remember the first Sunday, it was a beautiful day. The sun shone, the skies were blue. There was a real sense of um, moving forward, uh, moving the kingdom forward with God, being involved in that uh, dynamic. And then I think it's fair to say um, that for some groups, there was a time of refreshing, a recalibration. 
um, a sense of rediscovering what Sunday out meant for them. Uh, and then, of course, COVID came and stopped in uh, their tracks, the groups that were carrying on, um, some burning brightly. It, was, it would be wrong, I think, to say that you know, the, whole, um, the whole kind of initiative uh, came to an end. I think some groups were burning brightly with a sense of community, of ownership from, from, from people in our broader church community who didn't join us on a Sunday, but a sense of them owning that group and, what, and, and the time together that was, was fantastic. Um, but, as I say, COVID came. We weren't allowed to meet with each other, let alone you know, with, um, with anybody else. Um, and, and, and it was a defining time, wasn't it? I think it was a significant time. I used to love it when people said on a Friday afternoon at work, what are you doing this Sunday? Or what, this weekend, rather. I'd say, oh, well, this is the second uh, weekend of the month. We, our church, we go out and do some cool things. I, so I'll be playing rounders in, in Hockley Park. Um, or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit down and um, read the paper with, with some other grumpy old blokes and, and drink coffee. That was your cue to say, John, you're not a grumpy old bloke. No, okay, I won't push it. I won't push it. Um, but, but I think, and so I, I wonder, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, won't we, whether that was a, a thing of its time or whether it's, uh, um, you know, emblematic of something else or whether it becomes uh, re, re-envisioned, re-purposed, re, uh, restarted uh, in, in our future. But the point of all of this was that um, Tim felt it right to prepare us for Sunday out to to get us to think about how we might expect to demonstrate God's grace to the broader community, the communities of which we as individuals uh, were part and were going to be a greater part, Um, that sense in which the OBC community would grow and have fuzzy edges. So instead of a membership list that was kind of a bit binary, you're a member or you're not, which we don't have, do we? We then have a kind of community list of people who are right, you know, who, who feel part of our church community. And I guess the vision was that, that, that the edges of that list would blur and would start to include people that um, we, 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 we met and encountered and did community with as part of those Sunday out groups. And indeed, when we had the first Carols by Headlight, we had a thousand people, didn't we, come on those two, two Sunday afternoons. Um, no, sorry, those two services on a Sunday afternoon. Um, a thousand people, because we were able to reconnect with those communities. Um, and Tim was wanting us to, to be gracious, uh, to know what that meant, to, I suppose, um, recognize the potential for doing something new, letting go of something that, that we had valued, the potential for that to cause confusion, frustration, and upset, upset. And so on this Sunday, just one Sunday, um, unremarkable it seems to Tim, but profound, um, I'm sure it wasn't unremarkable, but you know, profound for us, then we came across these vowels of grace. And so these five words were to, I think, prepare us for not the Disney happily ever after necessarily, grace, oh, it's all kind of lovely and, and fluffy and, you know, Smiley, um, but grace in a bit more of a nitty-gritty. Grace in a sense of it costing us. Grace in a sense of that maybe discomfort or displacement. Grace uh, that confronts us and challenges uh, us as a group, challenges us as individuals. Grace that reveals the tension between 
God's kingdom and I suppose the world in which we live uh, live yeah so here we go a e i o u that's the easy bit um who can remember any of these a was for thank you i wasn't sure it was ambiguity or awkwardness uh, i've written awkwardness you can come and check later uh, but that's brilliant awkwardness yes because being gracious can be awkward can't it well think about some of these words in a moment e was for Embarrassment. Rosie, have you got the T-shirt? This is very good. Uh, I was for... You see this one sermon, isn't it? Isn't it just amazing? Um, well, maybe not. Yes, um, A for awkwardness, E for embarrassment, I for inconvenience. O was for offence. And you... Yeah, Rosie is the... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And these these are sort of words that don't sit well with us um, as a oh I don't know how do we describe ourselves um, cool no no um, how um, uh, sort of professional um, sorted um, uh, organised maybe. Um, group of people professional yeah we would think yes of course we're loving we're supportive we're friendly i think that's those things are all true but these are other types of experiences aren't they these are other um words um that don't sit well with those other values necessary or, or at least at first inspection that we should be prepared for inconvenience and embarrassment and awkwardness we should embrace these things we should we should be prepared to be gracious in the face of offence. I think that's really hard, isn't it? Because offence, I mean, that's the right word, isn't it? It kind of, those things that offend us. We don't just disagree with them. We don't just have a different view. But there are things that can be offensive. They hurt. Um, that they are more than just a superficial difference of opinion. And uncertainty, isn't that the great myth of our faith? Uh, or, you know, that, that, that yes, we can be certain of God's love, absolutely. We can be certain of, his, of, of, um, uh, of, of our eternal future because of God and because of, of God's love. But day to day, we live in a world where things are uncertain. They have to be, don't they? Because if we knew, uh, you know, um, I know sometimes I, we've prayed um, for... Um, We've prayed for grace or we've prayed for um, trust or wisdom even when we don't know what's going on, even when God hasn't necessarily revealed his purposes to us. I think I never know what's going on. I never have a sense, a complete sense of God's purposes in our midst or my life, not in the detail, not, not properly, because if I did, then I'd, I'd be equivalent to God. And so, you know, the trust, even though we don't, I don't think there is a trust when we do. <laughs> or, you know, we're always trusting when we don't. No, don't understand, don't, can't see what's coming up. And that's what, and that's what, it, and, and the reality is, we, you know, we thank God that we can trust him in the face of all these things. Anyway, I digress, I digress. Um, 
the, the point is that these things uh, were lived out in our midst. Uh, and, and I know um, Tim told me of, uh, as we were getting towards home, he was on our walk, he was telling me of illustrations when you know, he felt that need for grace uh, in an awkward and sli- slightly embarrassing way. One, he told me one story of somebody uh, who was on that fringe of our, our community who, on Tim's birthday, um, gave him a present that was a pair of snazzy boots. Can you imagine Tim with snazzy boots? Maybe not. But uh, so Tim was like genuinely kind of uncomfortable, embarrassed, awkward, because he didn't know what to do with these boots because they'd clearly cost quite a lot of money. Um, It was a genuine gift that came from a pure heart, from a culturally, you know, this was an entirely appropriate thing to do um, within the culture from which the person who'd given him these gifts, these boots, it was entirely appropriate for him to do that. And yet Tim felt, gosh, these cost a lot of money. I would never spend this much money on a pair of, you know, smart shoe boots. Um, I don't think I, you know, should I take them at all? Should I, I could sell them and give the money to the church. All these kind of ramifications. But then using the vows of grace, it was this sense in which he said, um, I have to take the embarrassment and the awkwardness of this overly generous gift from someone who I think, gosh, how can they afford this? They should have spent the money on themselves. Um, and, he, you know, I remember him praying and we were talking about it at VLT. This was the right thing to do. It was, uh, it would have been embarrassing and offensive even to not to have a, taken the present and, and welcomed and, and, and been genuinely grateful for it. So, you know, the vows of grace in action. There were other times, and we'll perhaps relate to this more than the gift of boots, um, but, you know, when, when you're on your way to do something and there's that request for help, when you're running late... Was Tim ever late? I don't know. He doesn't strike me as somebody who was ever going to be late. Um, but when I'm running late and somebody says, oh, can you just do this? Or have you got that? Or could I borrow this? The inconvenience, that sort of... Um, it would be easier to say no, although it would be right to say yes. As a church, there was the uncertainty, wasn't it, of whether Sunday out was going to be six weeks, six months, or as it happened, nearly six years. And I think there was a sense... That we just felt that you know that need for God's grace in what we were doing for for each other, um, for those that we were uh, engaging with, and we saw, I believe, grace in our midst, the giving and receiving of you know practical applications of love and support. That was part of of who we were, and um, and so we did em- embrace the awkwardness, certainly, the embarrassment, or maybe not so much. I don't know. The inconvenience, yes. And I wonder about the offence. I'm not so sure. Did we, as a church, did we as individuals have to con- you know, deal with things that were offensive? I don't know. But uncertainty, yes, we, we did that. Now, in the recent past, I think we've been called to show grace to each other. In lockdown, out of lockdown, on Zoom, in person, thrilled by the opportunity to meet together, exhausted by the opportunity of meeting together, confronting the different... Being with a, you know, being without a minister throughout this time, confronting difficult situations, um, situations that revealed stuff about us that was offensive, you know, that was hard, that challenged, you know, things that we'd held dear as individuals and maybe as a church. And so, again, I think we can look back and see 
the vows of grace in our midst, woven through the fabric of our life together to, to a greater or lesser extent. We're not in that place of the Disney. It was all lovely. But there is that sense, isn't there, of a joint commitment to being different, to um, not, you know, taking what we do seriously, but not necessarily taking ourselves too seriously. Um, so that was looking back. Um, what about grace at Christmas? A quick look forward. Um, and um, a short reading from uh, the second chapter of Luke. As you know, I've been, um, the shepherds have got me. Um, <laughs> sounds like some sort of, I don't know, mafia group or some sort of weird cult. The shepherds have got me. Um, so it's Luke 2 and it's verse 8. There were shepherds yeah, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. Okay, then. <laughs> do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, <laughs> I bet they didn't say this, um, they said, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Sorry, for my, I didn't mean to detract from, from the reading of the word. I just think that... We have to be so careful, don't we, that this, we take this uh, to be true. Um, but there's a risk that it, it, it kind of, I don't know, it loses some of the humanity. The shepherds would have been speechless, wouldn't they? Uh, if, you know, the, the first uh, an angel, then the whole host of, of angels. They'd have been scared for their lives. They might have thought the end of the world was coming. They might have thought, where are the sheep? So, so I just want us to, and you'll see in a minute why, just to, and, look, and it's not written down in, in every detail, but just to, in, in God's grace and, and, and with the Spirit, just allow that sense to fill in some of the human story. Okay, so we'll look, um, just, just four or five quick snapshots, really, at some of the characters in the Christmas story and how grace is being shown by them. First, Mary and possibly members of her family, embarrassed at being pregnant before being married. Um, then having to give birth alone, no help from a mother and the women of her community. Instead, going through childbirth with the cows and the sheep. Cold, smelly, noisy. Uh, Mary was displaced and maybe disgraced. So God could work his purposes 
later, perhaps, encouraged by and drawing parallels with uh, Elizabeth. It was her aunt, wasn't it? So, um, mother to John the Baptist, both pregnant against the odds. Mary was a virgin. Um, Elizabeth was an old, old woman and was, was it's a horrible word, isn't it, barren, had, had been childless. Yet both mothers, whose sons were front and centre in God's plans. So their mothers were too. But back to Mary, lonely at her birth, uh, sorry, at her giving birth. Um, inconvenient or inconvenienced having to be far from home at that you know, profound time. Mary showed grace in going God's way. God's grace, yeah, for sure. But grace and a costly grace, nevertheless. Okay, what about Joseph? Embarrassed, offended, at least at first. His uh, fiancée pregnant before marriage. I wonder who of his family truly believed what was going on, it's almost, let alone understood, um, understood it. So Joseph, embarrassed, offended, misunderstood, maybe even plagued by uncertainty. Um, I'd say certainly he was. Dislocated from his community uh, for Jesus' birth. Dislocated from family and friends. Joseph showed grace, God's grace, and a costly one, I think, for his purposes. And now we come to the shepherds. And I wanted to, like I say, I was, I was earlier in the week working on this, and I just have a sense that um, the shepherds have a, have a thing for, it could be just for me, and if so, I apologize, and you'll just have to put it, put it down to me. But it might be something more. And we know that the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds and gave them the manger as a sign of of this baby who, who was Christ the Lord, born to them. So we might imagine these smelly, grubby, lowly uh, men, uh, lowly in the sense of social status, economic status, look down upon, and um, some commentaries have these shepherds described as even despised. So not just, oh, I don't know, um, a source of embarrassment or discomfort, but actually worse than that, despised, really looked down upon. We've got these shepherds um, who have just, I think, been shocked within an inch of their lives. Um, and I had this image of, you know, kind of rosy-cheeked, happy, you know, jovial types, um, just kind of, I don't know, looking around for uh, baby Jesus. Um, and yet I just, I, I just don't know, of course, but... I wonder, I can picture those in the town community kind of catching a whiff of a shepherd. Um, the smell of sheep um, and what sheep leave behind. Um, that, that smell, and maybe kind of pulling back and thinking, uh, slightly you know, kind of wincing, saying with a degree of condescension and disdain, what's that? Oh, yes. What's that smell? Oh, yeah, the shepherds are down from the hills. Do you know what I'm saying? They were sort of, they were not... I don't, the, the communities aren't always you know, this homogenous, friendly whole, are they? There is a stratification. Um, and the shepherds were right at the bottom. They would have been a source of embarrassment and awkwardness. They would have been, oh, well, as I say, despised even, it said. But what I think has kind of really 
touched me this, uh, over the course of this week is um, how the shepherd showed grace, God's grace, in coming into the town to do as the angels had asked them to. We often think, don't we, of grace being showed by the, um, uh, by the lofty to the lowly. But I wonder here whether we see God's grace being shown in the lowly, in the shepherds, to the lofty, the town. They may not, you know, I can imagine them not even wanting to go into town. Town was a place where they were the other, they were different. They didn't feel at home. They were looked down upon. It wasn't their fault they smelt. You know, they, they just kind of were not welcomed. And yet the angel said, that's where you've got to go. There is a sign where the Savior is you know, in a manger, and that's your Savior. They could have, you know, they, they were, I suspect they were brave men. They were strong in their protection of the sheep. Um, but they weren't articulate. They weren't respected. In fact, it was the opposite. And yet they showed God's grace by stepping into a hostile place, an unwelcoming place, and they did so in obedience to God. Um, so I just wonder what that, what that, whether that resonates with us, whether, we, whether God is saying to us we need to make space for and be open to seeing God's grace, not just from the lofty, but from the lowly. Um, what does that say to us, uh, you know, um, as a church, as individuals um, at this time and into, into the new year. Lastly, and also firstly, Jesus. When God came down to earth, he came all the way down. He showed grace, born of love, for us, for people kind who were lost and disconnected from God uh, by their sins, uh, by their hearts, by their minds. And at Christmas, we sing and speak, don't we, of Emmanuel, God with us, God graciously with us, and really with us, today as then. God up close and personal, God standing in our midst, calling us to him, calling us to put aside, or put a, sorry, calling us to put aside, or perhaps to push through that which is awkward, embarrassing, inconvenient, offensive, and, and, and uncertain. Um, for the sake of his kingdom, Maybe uh, this Christmas we should um, pray that we will be vessels of God's grace, giving and receiving God's grace, and that we would, as a, a result, be more like Jesus, who we celebrate um, uh, his birth, uh, him coming amongst us uh, in these next couple of weeks. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for Jesus. Thank you that just as he was for the shepherds, he's for us. Thank you for uh, all uh, that means to us. We pray that in this coming uh, week or so, uh, you would speak to us uh, about... Speak to us, Lord, um, something that, is, that you want to share with us, both as a church and individuals, um, of, of your grace at this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.